Hello and welcome to World Shop, the podcast where we will pitch stories to each other for no reason. Yep. I'm Jordan. <laughs> I'm Cody. I forgot what we were doing, even though we talked about it like right before this episode. But hi, how are you doing, Cody? I'm doing, I'm doing good. Doing good. Um, doing right. Do you quickly want to get into what have you been doing before we talk about the recommendation stuff? Um, yeah, let Quickly. me think if there's anything worth saying that I've done re- or watched recently that's you interesting. Elden Ring yet? No, I haven't. Um, just been watching a lot of cop movies. Don't really know why. Just got on a kick of, like, crime movies. Yeah, I do love uh, movies about cops. Yeah, that's kind of my favorite thing. Uh, I, what it is for me is I'm slowly working my way up to Serpico. That's like the end goal know, is Serpico. What is, what is that? It's another one of those movies that like you've seen lines from. I believe it's one Serpico. of like the early Al Pacino movies that like made him famous. Oh yeah, yeah, this is it. He's That's like Serpico. an undercover cop that did, finds out a bunch of corruption is happening, oh, and then tries oh. to like rat on it or something. I don't That's kind of fun. But yeah. Yeah, huh. the, the end. The end. Seventy three, and they were still doing stuff. Well, still doing stuff about corrupt cops. Maybe it's a freaking issue. Uh, well, I mean, it's a trope of the genre. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it is, is a funny. Trope of real life, like watching cop movies. It is really funny to see like when they take their own stuff seriously. <laughs> like, you know, you watch a movie where they go like, "This is cool." Like the way that. It's just like everyone's doing crimes all the time, like kind of like Need for not Need for Speed, uh, Fast, Fast and the and Furious, Furious. Yeah, where I'm like, I don't think this is ethical. <laughs> like this is pretty bad. I really hope this is not the way like federal investigations were. Um, also, yeah. I'm still like, I'm also really, I want to get to the point of Fast and the Furious where I've seen enough of it that it becomes what it is now. Because I've never gotten that far. I've never watched. You need to get latter five half. Or six. Yeah. yeah, I've never gotten that far. I've I. So there's one, two, Tokyo Drift, which is like yeah. the oddball. And then four is goes back to like, what's his name is an FBI agent. Yep. Or I don't know if he's FBI, whatever. Whatever yeah, kind of agent. I'm pretty sure he's FBI. Um, he's a special agent of some sort. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. him and Vin Diesel have to go yep. stop worst criminals, you know. Um, and that, so I, I just, I never have gone further than with that. the one with the bank vault. So I, yeah, five is like the start of it. And then it just keeps rolling. Yeah, like at some point, I know The Rock and um, Jason Statham are there, like that's hating each after other. Seven, yes. Oh, that's seven. Oh my gosh, there's so yeah, many of these yeah. movies. There's, they're coming out with ten this year, buddy. Um, and nine they went to space. Anyways, Cody, is there anything else you did? They talk go about? to space? No, they didn't. Yeah, in, I'm Cody. I'm dead serious. In nine, they take a car to space. I'm not joking. I cannot believe that. I don't want Look to it believe. Look up right now. Look at the. F- I'm going to find out right when now. I watch it organically and then okay, realize good, they're yeah. in space and I'm just going to be like, why <laughs> um, are at you one in point, space? At one point, The Rock does kick a missile. Um, Th- now that, I see, I think I'll really enjoy that because I also, <laughs> I will say so the Hobbs and Shaw, it, you know? the Jason Statham and Rock spinoff movie, it's really clown shoes, but I did enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of what yeah. I'm looking forward to because right now it's just like, what is it? Is it Carl Walker? Paul Walker. Paul Walker. It's just Paul Walker being the least ethical FBI agent I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, dude. Like, yeah, at keep, some point, going. I understand. It only gets worse. <laughs> like, I understand you're doing undercover work. You have to, like, be undercover and, like, do yeah. crimes a little bit. But when it's, like, your crime is making a 15-car pile up at 70 miles an hour, I'm like, 
people did definitely die. <laughs> like no, that's lethal. No, 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 it's fine. Anyways, anything else you got to talk about? Um, watch the Rainmaker. Okay, it's a lawyer movie. It's got yeah. uh yeah, I know. What's okay. his name in it? Yeah, great, great description. Got uh, that guy. Basically, I don't have a lot to talk about. Let's talk about Pig. <laughs> okay, so for the recommendation show, Cody tried to watch Chainsaw Man and couldn't. And I did. I really tried. I felt so bad. <laughs> and I decided to watch Pig. So I'll go. Okay, so we, yeah, we recommendation show for people who don't listen to the show often, I guess. We have like a kind of bonus thing that we do where we recommend stuff back and forth to each other. Cody recommended Pig, Immortal, and um, Reincarnation Blues. I did a f- group of five albums um, and Chainsaw Man and Something Is Killing the Children. So the ones that I the one that I picked was the movie Pig with Nicolas Cage. So I'll start off, Cody. I will say it has been a very long time since I have sat down and watched a movie by myself. I think the last one that I sat down and watched by myself, actually sat down on the couch and watched the movie by myself. It has been even longer, but the last movie I think I watched by myself was Prey. Oh, well, that's, yeah, yeah, that was, that was like October, ago, yeah. but yeah. yeah. But then before that, the one I've sat down on the couch and watched by myself was probably maybe more than a year ago. It's, it's See, I get insomnia and then I just watch movies. Um, no, well, I, and I, 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 my I get insomnia and I just was. like browse on online for. Guitars. Oh, I give up on that, man. I, it's like if I don't sleep for thirty minutes, I'm like I'm just gonna go watch a movie because otherwise, yeah, I do nothing. Um, but I got sick recently and I didn't sleep for like three days just because I was so congested. So I watched a ton of movies then. That's when I watch movies by myself. But Pig, Jordan, Pig. Tell yeah, me yeah, but it, no, but it was really, really good to like actually like, sit down and have like. To, like, not really have my phone on me, not really, like, have anything else going, just to sit down and watch a movie, like, all the way through and that be the main focus. Um, yes, I am milking this, Cody, on purpose. But no, what, I will okay. say, what, what I'll say about Pig is, um, one, when, you've, when, I, when I first heard about Pig and heard, oh, yes, the plot of the movie is, like, this guy who, like, lives alone after his wife died has this pig stolen. He goes on a mission to find it. I thought it was just going to, like, that's why I thought it was violent because I thought it was just going to be a John Wick, re- like, redo with Nicolas yeah. Cage. I thought it was going to be this huge violent thing. It was basically going to be, like, Mandy but in a different thing. I didn't realize that this movie was exactly what I like in a story. Um, and so, so good. Like, it, it sits down like it was, a, it was, to me, it took a couple of seconds to like really get into because like it, it is kind of a jarring thing. We have like these peaceful moments of this guy walking in the forest with his pig. He's kind of a reckless now. He's watching videos of his um, uh, wife and then, like, suddenly this, like, fast-talking kid comes in who's constantly swearing, driving a yellow Camaro. It's like, yeah, you asshole. Blah, 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 blah. It's just like, oh, okay, that's jarring. And then he gets beat up and his pig stolen. I was like, whoa, we are, like, zero to 100 so fast. <laughs> and it's just like, but I, I think the things that you said about it when you were um, pitching it to me, like, where, where it is a story that's like you know it's a very empathetic story that focuses on like how while these characters are very different there's always this something that like kind of brings them together and there's always this kind of like further understanding to a way that like the problems are solved by Nicolas Cage 
really taking a moment to feel empathy for these characters and truly just have a conversation with them. And so we're gonna, yeah. I'm going to get into spoiler territory. So if you actually want to watch the movie Pig, which I do actually, I'm going to say, go ahead and watch it. It's a, it's a good movie. But like, if you actually want to watch it, don't just skip like five minutes probably. Um, the thing, there's like two moments where like, I was just like, wow, just wow. Was one where he's at the restaurant with like the um, waiter guy and, and like, it's this thing where he could have like got in this dude's face and yelled. I was like, where's my pig? But he's just like, like was like why why are you here? It's like you know these people don't actually care about you. It's like you wanted to start your own pub and do this, not serve these fancy rich assholes. Like you you wanted to do something that you enjoy, not just like be a carbon copy of this thing, like this thing that just sells the rich people. And like I thought that moment where he like kind of has that conversation, the guy kind of kind of breaks and chugs a full glass of wine. But yeah, like yeah. I just I, I liked that that was like the very first time you see it where it's like this thing is not solved through violence this thing is not solved through him yelling he's not like he's not trying to fight this dude he's not trying to like he's not even bringing this stuff up to hurt this dude he is realizing that like this guy isn't necessarily where he wants to be but is putting on the brave face because well it makes money it to me the the character functions as a rebuke yeah um which is not to say that he is malicious or joyful no but he does like so the the character we're talking about here is nick cage is like this old hermit who used to be a chef that's coming back to portland to you know find his pig right that got stolen and everyone that he talks to like all of these people that are like fake or you know, living for somebody else, living for status, yeah. um, not being true to their own creative vision, leading these like hollow materialistic lives. Like he is kind of insulting to them at times yeah. and not necessarily hostile, but no, he isn't, he isn't unsubtle about his opinion. Like that guy that he's talking to, that chef, he, he does kind of like, he doesn't mince words. He's like, this no, is trash. Not at all. Like yeah, what you're serving is trash, is trash and you don't, you don't believe in it. And why would you bother? Like none of these people care. They're all just here. Just, just like all the circle jerk. And you're just sitting here serving them. And yeah. he does it in a calm, quiet, yes, like he and, doesn't yell at him. He doesn't fight him. He just talks. No. And it's, and you can tell that he was someone that used to be respected, but also kind of has that thing of like, he doesn't, he doesn't need anything from them. Like, yeah. he doesn't need them to think he's cool. He doesn't bring any ego to it. Um, and he's really, like, the way... And this is, again, where I'm like, oh, yeah, Nick Cage can, in fact, be fantastic if he is given the chance to be fantastic. Like, he never... Nick Cage never does big Nick Cage. He's like... Yes. That whole time, he's, like, punched in the face so his face is all, like, swollen shut. And he's, like, got, like his face is all bruised and he's barely moving his mouth and just like mumbling out his dialogue, but it's all just like in his intensity of face and in like the sincerity and complete levelness of the delivery. It's just like a fantastic performance from Nick Cage who 
usually is like this huge, like big character. And in this case is very calm, very quiet. Uh, but yeah, it's, yeah, the, the, I, I agree. That scene was fantastic. You ripped my shirt. Yeah. He doesn't have a moment. Yeah. He, usually like, you he expect doesn't have that. a moment yeah. when he gets up and he yells. And that's like the thing. It's like, so another reason I kind of pass on this movie at first is because Nick Cage has been in a lot of trash. And I think that truly he likes being in trash. I think he likes, he finds joy in acting. It's sometimes he likes being a little crazy. Oh, sure, sure. I think there's movies where he gets to be crazy and he enjoys it. And I also think that oh, Nick Cage yeah, well, spends just, his money. Yes, and yes. And that, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, I also, there are a lot of movies where he does because he needs a paycheck. Um, yeah. But, yeah. But, but, but like, and, and so there are like very few times when like he does really do like this, this, I don't think I've ever seen a movie where he does a very quiet and introspective character oh. like he did in this, where he this whole time like he he's not yelling he's not doing big nick cage where he's like being a goofball but like he is start to finish in that movie just very very serious and very quiet at some point if you want to watch a movie from 35 years ago actually more now approaching 40 years ago watch leaving las vegas the last time nick cage was serious <laughs> yeah 40 years ago but yeah it was yeah. it was impressive to see this dude that i've kind of seen as like a clown shoes actor like actually really acting like there was times i'm like to me the nick cage wasn't in that movie it was the character he was playing like he truly yeah yeah he disappeared in it he, yeah he really yeah, yeah. did and it's just like wh where where has this been dude like i forgot that the actor playing this character was nick cage that's how good yeah. he did like yeah like he was the, not the, the nick, nick cage. He, the nick cage that i have seen all the time was not in this movie and i thought that was like really impressive but i i, I don't know i just liked how I, I liked how quiet it was i liked how that the problems were solved through talking i liked the fact that it was very, very it was melancholic and like there's like a couple of lines that i really like like when he is talking to the guy who did actually steal his pig and he's like, I forget what the exact line was, but he's like, Oh yeah. It's like you, you like you were never the same after she died. And then the guy looks back and it's like, neither were you. And like that, that's yeah. just like the moment of like realizing that these dude dudes on completely different sides of this world now, like have such a comp like commonplace between them that there is, a way for them to solve their differences. And I also liked that it wasn't a heist at the end to get the pig back. There wasn't this big scene. No. He cooks him a meal. That yeah. was awesome. That was just so cool at the end where he just cooks him a meal and then sits down. And then, like, the barely said, the only thing he says to him really is like, oh, yeah, I remember, like, every meal that I've ever cooked for every customer. And that's really the only true thing he says to him about is it. like, I remember this. I remember you before you became this person. I remember what it was like yeah. to cook this meal for you and your wife before. Remember that. Remember who you are. And then like the rest of it happens. It's just, it was great. It was just a good well, way to solve that problem. <laughs> I think to me that moment, and this is an interesting one, right? About like the nature of, losing relevance and growing old yes like so nick cage is like he doesn't come back and become a chef right and the end of the movie he doesn't become a chef again that's not what it's about yeah 
like I think to me that my favorite scene and it's also the part of the movie that made me I had a similar moment with this this is going to seem like a weird connection this and the movie uh The Queen's Gambit where I thought something was going to take a really miserable turn and then it didn't mm-hmm. so like Nick Cage looks like an old like he looks like a he looks like a homeless person right yes. in this movie yeah, like he looks scary completely he, he out of like, like yeah he's the type of guy who will walk in and people like you need to leave. <laughs> he's he's like wearing rags and covered in blood. Like he looks rough. You know, and he's got like, like long, he's greasy. Hasn't hair. hasn't showered. Like the character yeah. at the beginning comments on this. Like, hey, maybe we'll get you one of those showers so you don't smell bad all the time. <gasps> so when he goes back to his old house and there's a little boy sitting outside. Oh, yeah. it's like okay. So the scene is gonna be his parents are gonna see him and they're yeah, gonna like they're call gonna the cops and his like, friends yeah, gonna have to ba- bail him out. Too, yeah. And instead, that doesn't happen. Yeah. And so Queen's Gambit, it was a show on Netflix I liked, had a similar Mm. scene where there's like, it's about a girl who plays chess who has like a tragic backstory, right? And she's like growing up in an orphanage and she goes down to the basement with this dirty old man janitor who has a chessboard. He's like, you want me to teach you how to play chess? And you're like, no, 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 no. no." And then it's just like he ends up being like the first person that teaches her chess and supports and loves her for the rest of her life. And they, it, it ends up being like one of the most important people in her life. And he just acts like a decent old man, you know, yeah. surprise. And I appreciate that when, and this, I guess matters is like, I appreciate when I understand like, right. Yes. Danger absolutely. to children exists. Absolutely. I'm not going to like, yes. pretend like it doesn't, yeah, yeah, but also it is like, there is a like mentorship having your Yoda, having a Mr. Miyagi, has a place in the world, like having someone who is old giving life experience to a young person is like a valuable dynamic, right? Yeah. So I appreciate when a show will just do that and let that sincerely play out. So anyways, he's sitting outside talking about how this persimmon tree that he loved in his backyard was cut down with this little boy who now lives there, right? Yeah. And I like that on the one hand, it's sad yeah. Um. That this tree that he cared about was cut down, but then on the other hand, it's like it is with the recognition that this little boy loves living in this house and is happy, and he gets yeah. to come back and see, not that he is still relevant, but that his life paved the way for other people to live. Right. Yeah. Like he got out of the way, and then. That person that used to work for him was able to make a bakery yeah, in his yes. old restaurant. Yeah, I like that She part didn't too. hold on to the... He he didn't force her to hold on to the past. She didn't hold on to the past. Yeah. And he also she didn't learned, get mad at her for it. No, he was happy. Yeah. He was happy that his time of doing that ended and someone else got to have their chance. And it is the exact opposite relationship as that guy and his dad. Yes. You know, that guy's dad could go, hey, my time of doing this is over. I'm going to go into the woods and be a hermit now. Like, I'm mm-hmm. going to go be Yoda. Instead, he's trying so hard to hold oh, on to yes. it, to be relevant. I still matter. I'm in charge. I matter. And it's like, ultimately, no, you don't. Like, yeah. what I'm, I think what he's reminding him of is like, this tragedy did happen yeah. and it, it is going to end. Like, you can hold on as tight as you want. But at the end of the day, your son is going to be left to take over and you are going to become irrelevant. I like to me what Nick Cage's character is, is someone who accepted and learned to. I don't want to say accepted, but like. Took joy in the fact that other people were able to carry on with what he gave them, you know, like 
he started out that he like mentored that woman who then owns mm-hmm. a bakery, right? Yeah. She didn't keep his restaurant going. She started her own bakery. But it's because of what he did, you know? And I'm like, that's that to me is the beauty of it, right? Is that like, yeah. yes, the tree got cut down, but now this little boy gets to sit out here and play his steel drum and show it to him. And I love that that's just a really calm little scene. And he's also kind of passing on that sort of like that that same type of feeling, that empathy to that the kid who's kind of like his buddy cop throughout the movie. But, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just I don't know. It's just it was a movie with a lot of humanity, a movie that like. It wasn't necessarily a slow burn, but it wasn't like this action filled, like giant blockbuster thing that we're being forced to like be that's that's being forced down our throat as the only type of media that exists anymore. And I like the fact yeah, that it no, was just it's a real quiet, quiet, very just peaceful, just very, very understanding, very human movie. And it was it was good. It was I really had a good time watching it. Like, again, this is one of those where um, it, it's mel- it's melancholic. It's it is. Like it's not happy. <laughs> it, it's one it's, that makes you think. It's one yeah. that makes you feel. It's one that, like, literally after I watched it, I stood out on my balcony with my cat and just like looked at the sky. I'm like, yeah, yeah, the world does move. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. yeah it's, it's like it's not regardless exactly. of what. It's like my life is beautiful. Just like all the stuff that happens. Like these things happen, and rather than feed into like the feed into the hate that the world will give and like like it's not necessarily hate but like the whole thing like the guy who did work at the restaurant still like he just like fed back into the machine and kept like well didn't follow his own dreams and kept feeding into the machine the other guy like he's trying to hold on to relevance so he's becoming the worst version of himself type thing it's like just like the world does move and you don't have to feed the machine you can follow your dreams you can live a happy life outside of the the hate that the world gives and i I don't know i just well and there is something i think to this like (laughs) no but i do think that people do tend to think dynastically like oh i need to make something i need to have a legacy i need thinks dynastically really it does well yeah Yeah. oh my god (laughs) and i mean like obviously for a time that was literally how power transferred yes not as much anymore but force that to be the thing nepotism is a thing um, keep going. Sure, but but like you know, there there is this notion that like you know your life is going to be defined or measured by like very material and tangible results of your life, and you know, Robin, the you know Nick Cage's character, mm-hmm. lives alone in a shack in the woods, but ultimately paved the way for many other people to be happy and yeah. fulfilled, and then is still paving that way for people even as a hermit, right? Mm-hmm. He. Like that chef that is making BS food, like, yeah, he calls him on it because that's his role now. And the, you know, the guy that buys truffles from him that, okay, this is, this is like a little filmmaking thing, but did you notice how many times the movie cut away from the, uh, the dude and the the guy that sells truffles in the middle of him talking, like he's amping himself up in the mirror and he's like midway through a line and it cut. And then when, um, Robin ditches him because he finds out that he yeah. told his dad about the pig. And he's like, fuck. And then it just cuts. It cuts on. It doesn't say you. It cuts him off. Yeah. And it's like the movie doesn't even respect him. You also, know? Like also I really like that actor. That guy's great. Yeah, he was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Everyone he, was fantastic yeah. in that movie. But yeah, he's been in a couple of things I've watched, and I, I, I really like that actor. Uh, where, where was I going? Yeah, but you know, like, 
Robin's showing him things as well. And it's in an understated way, but it still is always there, you know? And I like that, that he... Mentor feels too active, but kind of. He's actually facilitating other people being better, not bettering himself. None of this is really yeah. going to help him. He doesn't get his pig back at the end. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Heavy. Well, I'll, I'll put a spoiler warning in front of that. Jeez, good. He, he just says spoiler. Yeah. But no, I... I I don't know. I, I also like that ending where it's just like, yeah, like regardless of what he went through, like it's not solved. But also he does mention that in the long run, like that's not going to like ruin him selling the truffles to the kid. The kid's still going to come by and all that. Like he says like, oh, yeah, you don't I I do not need a truffle pig to um, I don't need a truffle pig to find the truffles. I can do it myself. But like I love that pig. <laughs> And that's why, yeah, that's why yeah, no, it's just it's his friend, yeah, and 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 that 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 matters more. The utility isn't the important part. And I also think that he does keep selling the truffles to that kid because he could do it through anybody else. But I do think that he likes that connection with that kid. Oh sure, well, and I do and, think like, it's and, important like, for the theme on of the that, movie. Like knowledge is like because he wants to be in that kid's life because that kid's dad is a piece of crap so he's like kind of yeah kind of mentoring and kind of fathering that kid in, in a way like they have a very odd relationship but i i don't know i i i, I really like the movie because there's a lot of stuff you could also infer with their relationships and stuff throughout it anyways yeah well yeah. but i think the thing with the pig that's important is that like everyone just assumes he wants the pig for utility yeah like everyone that he talks to is like oh pig that's that's a smart investment and he's no, like, I'm not, it's, it's, it's like, it's like oh, no yeah. one thinks maybe I'm talking to this person because I care. Not even the guy that he's, not even the guy that's driving him around. Like on face value, that's an exchange because he needs this guy to be his truffle supplier, you know? And it's like, it takes until the end of the movie for him to be like, why are we doing this? If you can just find the truffles. And he's like, because I just care about yeah. the, I actually care about this person separate from their utility to me you know which it's the you know that that kid's the same way like he doesn't see any value in himself beyond the utility yeah i mean even that's even how he views his mom like he doesn't see his mom as having it you know like because she's comatose right so something's happened to her they're vague in the movie but he can't understand the he i think he does but he can't admit understanding a reason for her to exist beyond utility and she doesn't have any you know but again, a very humanizing story. <laughs> Having someone walk around just caring about someone seems weird and alien. Um. Anyways, Cody, today we are doing story pitches yet again, but with a with a twist. <laughs> because How many pitches did you do? I'm not going to tell you until after I finish introducing the segment. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um. But yeah, with a twist, we're um pitching a story that we will both work together on and present throughout the st show. I don't know how we're going to do that. We'll get there when we get there. But yeah, we both came with story pitches, question mark. Um, so Cody, I have a couple of reasons of doing it this way, but I only um, brought one story pitch. One, oh, okay. because the last few times we have gone with my pitch, and two, because everything else I could think of has been sad, and I just wanted to do like something interesting that we could both get into. So I believed an idea, and I made mine a little bit. You said, it's like, oh, yeah, do about 10 minutes. So it's like, I made mine maybe a little bit longer than that. Who knows? But yeah. How many story pitches did you come with? Two. Two. Okay, so you want to um, bookend I'll it? Go first. You go first and last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Perfect. That way we can alternate. Okay, so well, I'm can we roll for initiative with... anyways, and just like just because that's that's the show we have to. 
Oh man, I rolled a uh, an eighteen. Oh wait, fifteen. That's a five. I rolled an eighty. Okay, perfect. Let's go. <laughs> he that wasn't a uh, D twenty, by the way. For anybody who's like, what the heck? No, that wasn't a D twenty. No, that was, was a that the was not percentile. A, that was not a D twenty. Okay. So, um, both of my worlds start with a little like in character narration. Hey, same this here. first one is this first one is called the Goblin Market. Um, <laughs> okay. I love rubes. That is what people don't get about con artists. We mean it. Every lie I tell is really sort of true. Every wide-eyed white knight, I get to think he's rescuing me. Every necromancer, I convince that he can be more, be good. I love the idea of actually all of that being true. Every time I con someone, I want that to be as real as they do. I just love the gold a little bit more. The good news for me is that the goblin market is full of gold and jewels and heroes and villains and treasure, and best of all, the naive. Every time a new portal opens, that means new rubes to rook, and that's why I never leave. Some of us outcasts call the market our home. It's chaos, but for those of us that can hold on, uh, sorry, my handwriting is bad. For those of us that can hold on and have nowhere to better to be, the market's our home, but... Be careful. For as many wonders as you might find here, there's just as many purse cutters and highwaymen, and of course, artists of the con, here to remove your money as well. Okay, so, general story pitch. Okay. The Goblin Market is a uh, weird magical market that has different, like, doors and portals open up to it, so this is, you know, a a (laughs) magic Alice in Wonderland tumble down the rabbit hole world. Um, that goes down to what is called the Goblin Market, right? Yep. Uh, and so, you know, imagine big bazaar, as you we, we were talking before said, right, of all these different, like, shops and stands from every random fantasy world you can imagine all selling their wares, right? Yep. So, and that exchange can be as, it, it's all barter weird nonsense, yeah, right? Yeah. And so the main character of the story is a, I think it would be a goblin that lives there who I imagine is like a used car salesman type who spends her days conning people out of their gold. Right. So she lives there and is a con artist. Um, Generally, I kind of think the story would be about like I I want it to be a love story because, of course. Right. So, like, she actually falls in love with one of her marks, with one of the rubes that she's trying to con out of money. Um I also like the notion that, like, the overarching story is, like, the market becomes in danger. Like, someone decides that it's too chaotic, it's too dangerous to exist, and tries to start closing all the portals to it. So, um, so this is Goblin Market, but with the theme of Footloose. Yeah, there's too much chaos here. We need, like, I don't know. It's like, yeah, we're going to stop. Yeah, I mean, kind of. Yeah. yeah, that could actually work. Like, a really, like, some kind of, like... yeah religious like uh zealotry being what tries to close down the market would be fun um so then what it ends up being is like whoever like whatever the latest portal that opened that has you know whatever the naive wide-eyed person that the goblin is trying to con out of their money um you know it's them working together to stop the market from being closed as they realize that's going to be important and i think like the 
turning point for the con artist is realizing that she has to care about something like as much as she wants to be like i don't care about anything i'll just leave like i could just jump through a portal and start conning people in whatever the next world is you know and like doesn't want to admit that this place is actually her home and that she does care about people here even though she is a con artist you know and it's like them fixing that then working together to um kind of fix the market or whatever Mm -hmm. I think in my mind, this would probably be a little bit of a shorter story. Um, and like in, in terms of themes, I do think that it is kind of like largely about being able to like admit what you care about, like even when you want to be distant from everything. So probably the goblin has some sad story about why she is living forever in a market (laughs) and scamming people, you know, um, but you know, I, I think it'll just be a. F- I think writing a, a con artist goblin would be fun. Basically, yeah. is is my reason for wanting to do this story. Yeah, you know, I um, like writing assholes. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. That's that's part yeah. of the enjoyable part of it for me. Also, I just love a goblin market. It's like a thing in a lot of stuff. It's mm-hmm. not exactly a common or a, like an an original idea, but I do love me a goblin market. I love markets of chaos where it's just like a bunch of stalls selling mysteries that's always fun to me yeah no i I, I like the idea quite a bit so is it better than your idea do you want to do the goblin market um no it's not i wouldn't say better but i will say you will see (gasps) similar themes as i tell my story which is why i started laughing when you told yours like gosh darn it it's like we always do this like gosh darn it now here's my question i went kind of vague with this right because i want to write the story mm -hmm. with you so this is just the initial notion do you want how much detail did you go into and should i go into more so i went into a lot of detail on the world itself but i left the overall like so so i have a like you said oh it's gonna be a romance with this and it's gonna go to these places so i have like an opening what the overall arcing plot is going to be about and then i in my mind have an ending but that does that doesn't have to be set in stone so I left it gotcha. open so that we can both work, we can both create characters, we can both do certain, like, create our own areas in this world and stuff. But I did, like, well-define the world. Okay. So I think in this case, probably the world wouldn't – I don't think the world would need to be well-defined. No, I think that's why this one can be shorter. Yeah. Because, it, you know, it's like a portal world, right? Yeah. So, like, it – the market portal. isn't the size of a planet. It's the size of a market. Yeah. Um, and then doors open to other places. So it can be a little bit more vague. Okay, so I did this kind of like almost in our own old format, only I didn't do five pages of writing. Um, so I, I do like probably good. kind of pitch, I pitch the world, I create the world, but I do it like in a character's voice, quote unquote voice, even though I'm just going to read it in my voice. But I, I pitch the world and then I, I kind of lay out what the story pitches afterwards, kind of like how you did it. But again, yeah. I define my world, I create the history, I create the culture in there. Anyways. This is um, story pitch. Is just I'm gonna just call it Esoteria. Um, Ooh, I already like the name. Yeah, I like the name too. Little do people know that in the city of Denver, Colorado, because I have to, <laughs> the lines between fantasy and reality are blurred. Over the world that you normal humans can see is a thin veil that separates the human world from the fantasy world of Esoteria. Denver and Esoteria are two sides of the same coin yin and yang but they are as separate as they are similar those in esoteria did not purposely cross the line between denver and vice versa though if you are not careful you will find yourself on the other side 
There are a few gates, but these are never well-defined or well-known. A gate to access the other side could be as simple as the entrance to a small sandwich shop, or it could be as difficult to find as an inch-wide space next to abandoned freight rail tracks. Sometimes without meaning, someone from one side or the other will end up beyond the veil. As gates open and close all the time, it is near impossible to return without help. You already know what your reality looks like. Instead, let me tell you about Esoteria. Esoteria is not a world bound by what your people have defined as reality. The same buildings, houses, and roads exist, but instead of being inhabited by only ordinary humans, the world has a diverse array of beings, such as fae, fairies, spirits, dryads, lizard folk, beast folk, and many others. All of these species are such that would live in your fairy tales or other books, but instead of being fantasy here, for Esoteria, they are a reality. Of course, humans exist within Esoteria, though unlike in American fantasy works, they are not the apex of society. The lines between each diverse faction of beings may be thin, but I would not go as far to, as to say it is harmonious. In order to offset whatever societal disputes may arise, a representative from each racial faction has been selected to be a part of a council that runs all of Esoteria. The council works with the citizens' best interests in mind and creates laws that further promote peace. Esoteria and its existence behind the veil has been questioned for thousands of years. Many stories have been spread, but there is one historically accepted explanation. Centuries ago, the goddess Minerva graced the earth with her presence. She created many beings from the imagination of mankind. To keep harmony between the humans and the beings she created, she formed a separate reality to hide her civilization from man. It is said that Minerva did not rule her creations, yet lived amongst them. She taught them how to use her magics and create the world that they wanted for themselves. Eventually, she fell in love with one of the beings of Esoteria who had become regarded as a great sorcerer. Unfortunately, that being held ulterior, uh, ulterior intentions and had used unholy magics that they developed themselves to bind Minerva to the earth in an attempt to steal her power for themselves. With a great flash, the sorcerer was temporarily blinded, and when they regained their sight, they saw Minerva was left as a lifeless stone, her bound corpse being the only thing left of her. The sorcerer did not gain access to her power and disappeared with the corpse, searching for Minerva, believing her presence was still within Esoteria. Without Minerva and her power, the world of Esoteria would cease to exist. That is why the beings of Esoteria believe that Minerva is still bound to the earth. So why does any of this matter to you, and why are you here? Unfortunately, you woke up in Esoteria after somehow accidentally stumbling through a gate. This isn't a normal occurrence, but the first thing you saw was a woman fall, uh, fall to her death from a tower. Things in the city returned to normal, believing it to be a suicide. Mayhaps for some grand purpose, you are the only witness with information that no one else has. The woman you saw didn't jump. She was pushed. Even from where you stood to, on the ground, you saw a dark figure standing behind her, though you could not make out much else. But why does this all matter to you? Is it because when you saw her picture on the news, she bore a striking resemblance to yourself? Or is it that you believe she was drawn here from reality just like you? But for some reason, you are determined to find out what truly happened. Of course, you have to investigate the usual suspects. 
Arik, a tech mogul from the America reality who has used human technology to bring esoteria to an age of technological advancements, but has also used this to become unimaginably rich. The public opinion is split on him. Some believe he is truly making esoteria better. Others think his advancements are spitting directly in the face of Minerva. Magdalene, an enigmatic woman who is neither fade nor spirit, yet something else. She appears at will and has gained the favor of the lower class. No one knows where Magdalene came from or how long she has been in Esoteria, but she seems to have a deep understanding of the people who live there, seemingly having the ability to gain insight that no one else has. There's also the Satyr, an old historian who holds all of the knowledge of Esoteria in his mind, and some believe is changing what is written for his own benefit. Some say the Satyr has been in Esoteria since the very beginning, being granted immortality by Minerva. Others say he is a charlatan. Regardless, the satyr is a scholar who grants knowledge of the world and its inner workings to those who ask. The last characters will be those that the great god Cody will create. Hopefully, these beings will help you find your answers you are looking for. So, uh, my story pitch is Esoteria, a murder mystery set in an urban fantasy world. Um, it will basically, the, my main idea of the story will follow a girl who wakes up in this magical world and immediately witnesses the death of a girl, a human girl who looks similar to her. So she's kind of like, because of that, drawn to solve the mystery through her gut feelings. And then she meets all sorts of characters in the world that both will help her or possibly lead her astray. Um, when more strange things start occurring around Esoteria, she finds herself down a deep rabbit hole. It's funny because you use the word rabbit hole in your story. She could yeah. never have imagined. So, like, I have the general idea of, like, who the giller is or whatever. In, again, subject to change in the overall plot. But I also wanted to leave this, like, open enough so that you can have your input. I wanted to um, do that. Like, you know, create a couple characters, create this, but, like, not have a specific plot structure because I didn't want this to be, like, how we did my ra uh, radio drama where, like, I had, here's what's going to happen here, 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 here. Yeah, and then you right, write, right, right. I, I want a little bit more you open. to create chapters. You to create parts of the world. I, I want you to, like, fill in. Like, I want there to be area, like areas that I have for my story, but also areas in the world that you created, like places that she goes that you have, you get to decide. I, I want this to be very open. Um, but yeah. but I, I also like the idea because I wanted to create like a like decently whimsical like fantasy universe. There's like all sorts of like fantasy beings in it. And like have you be able to like add your sorts of whimsy and like, you know, like your Cody flair to it, but also have enough there where I can add my own melancholic darkness that I add to every story that I happen to write. Because I think that we both have very separate writing styles, but we can agree on a lot of things in the way that stories should be formed and themes that can yeah. come about. And I wanted to create the opportunity for that to happen rather than just having like, a, oh, yes, this is going to be all whimsy or having it be like, this is going to mean my dark, sad fantasy. Like I wanted to create like both like so we could have like chapters yeah. where she runs yeah. into like spirits or ghosts or whatever. And it's like a very like whatever fun experience. And then there are other stuff that happens throughout. And I, I, I just I don't know. I, I, I like the idea of like having our cake and eating it, too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, and I don't know how long the story would be. It could, could probably be like as long as your previous story it could be like short, depending on what we decide to do with it. But 
I think that we could do this and then like take breaks to go do other stuff and come back. But like, I, I like the idea that th this is going to be a little bit longer form of one. But yeah, that, yeah. that is my idea. Esoteria. All right. This one, um, I think I think the name I'm going to go with for this is The Soup, but this one doesn't have a name like The Goblin Market as much. The so The Soup is up for debate. <clears throat> so I'll start with my narration. It's all a mess. The green belt, the blue, the dust, and the ice. We were at war so long we forgot what peace was. It was all ranks. We were born with them. I was born to... Wait, what? Baby, I was born oh, this I was... way. I was born to nothing on a nothing dust belt moon. Who cares? Maybe I could have dreamed of being some kind of explorer. We used to have those stories about people that would go off and find new worlds. But no, I was born to conquer. I was, oh, sorry. I was born to conquer the stars, not see them. The problem with that is I did. I won. But winning is shit. The, they retired me. Labeled me some kind of war hero, but I wish I had just died for my victory instead. But I wasn't that kind of leader. I cut off supplies. I threatened force. I used crime, whatever I had to do. I won more battles with a pen than I did with battle. And now we have peace. <clears throat> At least we had peace until the soup. And then that added a whole new level of madness for the belts. It's all gone crazy again, but now it's too late for me. No more adventures. Now I just sit and sling hash for crooks and wait to die. Okay, so this is the one I'm actually more excited about. Yeah. I want this to be a sci-fi heist story. Oh, okay. So the belts. This has a better defined story, to, or a better defined world. Not necessarily a better defined story. So the world is there is a massive gas giant in space that is being orbited by tons of moons, like hundreds, right? And um, at some point in the technological development of most of these moons, they figure out space travel, yeah. right? But for them, finding aliens is as easy as flying between moons. So um, space travel is a lot shorter distance. And basically what the different belts are, are the distance things are away from the gas giant that's providing a lot of heat to the worlds. So like the dust belt is the moons that are the closest to the planet. And they're very dry. Then like the green belt or the... The blue belt would be planets that are mostly water, or moons that are mostly water. The green belt would be, like, Earth-adjacent planets, right? And then the ice belt are planets that are so far away, they're basically always frozen. Mm -hmm. um, so that, like, makes up diff... Like, there are similarities between things that are closer to this gas giant, right? It makes up these belts of, like, different climate zones that the planets inhabit. I say planets, I should say moons, yeah. right? Um, so kind of the course of history was that most of these planets did not know that aliens existed for much of their history, mm -hmm. right? Until they started exploring space and discovering how many moons there were. And basically imagine for us, if it was like, oh, we went to the moon for the first time and then found out there were actually moon men. Yeah, there. right. But that's what happened hundreds of times. And it went insane because... Like, many of these moons developed sentient life, their own societies, um, but they're not remotely similar to each other, right? There is no biological similarity, and the cultures would be vastly different. And for a long time, there was just war amongst the moons, right? Um, and it was bad. Yeah, as, like, as it would it, be, yes. Keep going. It went to 
total chaos for like generations of war, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the time period that we land in, right? That has sort of ended loosely. There's like a really tentative ceasefire. Um, and there's a group that like I call the Fed. It stands for the Federation. Yeah, of course. And it's like, depends on how you look at it, whether it's good or bad. Um, it's just the most powerful planets won and then decided to stop killing each other. You know what I yeah. mean? It's like a lot of the smaller, suckier moons are like, we can't even begin to compete. And like the four biggest moons just went, we're going to stop killing each other and rule everything and are able to. Yeah, as you um, do. Now, the result of this, like, so for this guy who was like a tiny little dust belt, like captain who maybe like, he led his moon to be one of the only dust belt moons that matters mm-hmm. in the Federation. He won, and then they just had to retire him. Like, there was no more use for, like, a military admiral. And so what he does now is cook on a ship for a bunch of criminals who do heists. And so I kind of imagine this being, like, sort of Wild West. Like, Okay there, Josh the, Well, yeah, yes. I mean, yes. Um... Like, the the Wild West exists entirely, like, as a genre because it's, like, post-Civil War. Mm-hmm. Like, it is entirely made up. So it's, like, similar, I, right? It's, like... I will... So I'm this not gonna, crew like, of, crap all your idea, but, like, you had me until you said Wild West. Well, and when I say Wild West, I don't mean, like, literally okay. there is a West and it is wild, I, right? It I, is I, just yeah, that... Like, as soon as you said that, I'm like, oh, this is just as Firefly. Well, like, kind of, right? Like, they do jobs yeah. and fly through space. Yes. There is a similarity here. I, we're doing space heist. In in this case, these people are explicitly criminals who are yeah. all, like... So, it's sort of like, right, it's meant to be a mirror thing, right? So, the Federation is this group of planets that learn to work together. And these are people that, like, five years ago were actively at war with each other. Mm-hmm. Like, the crew of this ship would be like, there were definitely people that were in the same battle on opposite sides, okay. right? Um, they, five years ago, were killing each other, and then it's like, so it's, right, all the crew, they all have their own weird specialties, whatever. That's, you know, it's the genre. Yeah. Um, and that's where, like, I think that would be fun for us to make this crew of, and I don't want it to be, like, humans with different specialties. It's like, there's definitely a jellyfish that lives in a pile of, like, goo, and then, like... Jellyfish mech suit. A mantis man. Jellyfish mech yeah. suit. Yes. Yeah, I mean, this needs to be bonkers. Yeah, the crew no, are all je- weird. Jellyfish Right, there is an suit. owl who's got, like, metal wings, you know? And it was, like... Yeah. That's, like, one of the green belt planets that no one could ever go to because as soon as you landed, you got decapitated <laughs> by birds of prey, <laughs> you yeah, know? Dude, that's kind of fun, yeah. Um... Right, so, like, that's this crew of criminals that are now heisting their way through the galaxy, right? Um, That have, like, kind of learned to get along, but it's real contentious, you know? And all of these people, like, used to be like, oh, you know, this guy was, like, a staff sergeant. This dude was, like, a lieutenant, you know? Um, Because, and then just all the militaries dissolved, and, you know, they were all sent home, and they're like, turns out I don't like mining. Yeah, right. Um, You know, so... (laughs) turn to crime um so the soup here's the notion right so there's like five years of peace right we have our crew of people that are doing heists Mm -hmm. and then there comes the soup 
everyone expects alien life eventually. Like, the Federation is aware, like, hey, like, beyond our planet, space exploration might exist. So we need to be aware of that. People are talking, you know, sci-fi stories about aliens that are beyond just the lunar aliens that exist start becoming more common. But what no one expects is there are planets in the soup, in the gas giant. Mm. And they have zero technology and function entirely on magic. Oh, okay. So it's like everything's going along normal. And then literally like a giant whale flying on wings of magic sail like or like a zeppelin an actual sailboat flies out of the gas giant full of wizards and they're like we're here to see what's outside of you know the purgatorial smoke and then they find technology mm-hmm. and this is where there's like this real awkward thing where it's like a wizard and you know a warhammer 40k jellyfish mech suit are staring at each other like are we about to throw down? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very tense right now because like the soup, no one knows what's in there. No one's been able to get into the like gas of this gas giant ever. It would, it would have been as crazy to us as flying into the sun. Yeah. Right. And people just found out that there's life in there. And then all of these wizards are flying out and like, what do you fly on exploding gas between planets instead of just teleporting? Why wouldn't you just fall? Why wouldn't you just wish on a lily pad and then, uh, sprinkle fairy dust on it. Right. So like it is vastly different things, right? Yeah. For someone who would not read it, this is like, there are a lot of similarities between this and saga. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Cause there aren't like, yeah, because, One is technology based and the other is magic based. Yeah, it's very like they fly around in a a literal tree. (laughs) A magic tree is the rocket (laughs) ship. Yes, yes. yes. It's very similar. Yeah, that's what I say. Like for Um, someone who didn't want to read it, it's very, very saga. Interesting. So like on our crew here, there definitely is one mage who's like, you know, when, when like, I would imagine like, you know, okay, we're doing a job and like things have to come to blows, right? Like I think that there should be like, a grumpy old space trucker who's like probably their biggest like melee fighter who's the only one that doesn't have military experience mm. aside from the mage and has just like spent his life getting in truck stop fights like that would be one guy <laughs> and then the other like mainline fighter of the crew is a mage from the soup who's just like i'm here to observe and learn about you and they join the crew and just start doing space crimes That's you know fun, yeah. but Okay, so then the larger plot would be basically um, discovering that there is, like, a cult in the soup that is, like, all of these technology planets are bad and need to be destroyed, and we are going to destroy them. And it's, like, it's not everyone from the soup. There's, like, a death cult in the soup um, that's, like, no, they must be cleansed, right? Um, So, like, the crew's doing it heist... The heist goes sideways when this cult breaks in and just starts killing everybody. Yeah. And then, you know, they have to flee um, and they find out there's a cult that's trying to end the whole known galaxy to them. Right. Yeah. Um, I was trying to destroy all the belts, um, you know, so then they get caught by the Federation doing this stuff and are like, all right, look, either you're going away forever because you guys are criminals 
or you can work for us and like steal whatever death ray the cultists are making. Mm -hmm. So like you're going to fly into the soup, steal the death ray and get out without it being immediately apparent that you were sent by us. Right. So, you know, they're like, you know, like the suicide squad, Mm -hmm. right? Like we're going to deny that you exist if you get caught. Um, but you need to go stop this from happening, right? Because they're like the only crew that has a mage with them, so they're the only ones that can get into the soup. That's actually kind of a fun idea, yeah. then, right? Like they have you're, a mage. You're coming up with this idea of the spot, I think it's hilarious. This, that that part of it, yes. The rest of it, no. That was this. <laughs> this was the plan. This is this is the the arc that I have written, mm-hmm. right? Um. So yeah, then it's like, uh, you know, they like whatever, save the day, come back, and then are like made privateers for the Federation, which is like. And we start stealing stuff again, yeah. you know? Um, so this is like my, this this is me wanting to do a Guardians of the Galaxy space yeah, I could, story. Yeah, I, I could tell. Of a bunch of moons circling a gas giant, and then there's the soup where they find out that there are magic planets in the gas giant. Yeah. And they did not know e- about each other until, yeah, like like you said, a flying tree pops out of the planet, and they're like, ah. <laughs> What? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Uh, uh, excuse me. Um, I have a very good question for you guys. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. supposed to be very much like everyone assumed it was going to be like you know, you know, the little gray aliens from you know whatever the actual other planet in their solar system, and then it's like, no, nope. Turns out there were aliens living in the planet, and yeah. uh, you know. Dude. This tentative piece is immediately going to fall apart. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. No, I like the idea. I had qualms, but I like the idea. <laughs> you have qualms? What are your qualms? My qualms. Uh, no, just not, nothing huge. Not, not Nothing huge. I mean, of course, we would, like, work together to figure out, like, you know, overall plan. So it just seems very loose and that this could end up being... Because one of us is a discovery writer. This could end up being way too big for our bridges. But anyways. Well, this definitely could be a larger story. Because, right, there's, like, a lot more stuff yeah. here to do. Like, there are supposed to be many different planets. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, um, I feel, I I feel like kind it, of could, imagine... it could get out of our a little bit out of our hands. That's my only, like, thing. Yeah, I mean, I think we would definitely need to, like, outline... Well, I mean, really, any of the stories we have, yeah, we would need but, to, like, uh, yeah, we, outline this out one, before we start this one, writing. Yeah, we we'll have to rein in a little bit. But, yeah, no, I, I, I like the idea. So, I guess... My question to you would be, what what are you most interested in doing of the Guardians of the Galaxy? I'm kidding. Which, what are you most interested in doing? I feel like I already know your answer. So I think we shouldn't say that. I think that we should sleep on it. You know what I no, mean? Sque- like, I don't think there's a defined no, no, winner. No, no, no. There's a defined winner and we need to do it right this second. Well, because I'm right just going to say I want to do, do the soup and you're going to say you want to do... Uh, esoteria right i guess yeah no um yeah we can sl- we can sleep we can sleep <laughs> on it uh, yeah it just, i i also i do really like the soup and i think there's a lot there to collaborate with i just again get a little afraid that it would just turn into a, a soup quite literally <laughs> like yeah it's just, there is a, there is a lot more to yeah. it this one is longer yeah, I, this I, one I would that be longer would end up getting huge but yeah no we we, we can sleep on it when are we going to decide, Cody? That's that's more of the thing. When will we decide? Next time we can talk about which one we pick. That's not good. That's not a whole episode, Cody. <laughs> that's true. We'll probably have to do something else our next episode, other than chapter one of a story that we have yet to collaborate yes. on at all. Yeah, 
Jeez, Cody. Jeez. <laughs> this is why I do the planning for the show. <laughs> You're like, yeah, we'll just decide on I the next episode. It's like, oh, so we'll talk for five minutes and that's the entire show. Great. Perfect. Lovely. <laughs> no, I mean, we'll do something yeah, else yeah. next I, I mean, I have, like I said, I... Uh, maybe we'll talk about Chainsaw Man if I figure out how to get the subtitles to work. It's funny because on Hulu, they just work. I don't know how you broke this up. I tried doing Hulu and I, it I didn't work. How, there were no subtitles. Cody, I don't know how you screwed this up. <laughs> I, like, I, like I I'm not even either. trying to be funny. I, I like, legitimately don't know how you screwed this up. <laughs> but yeah, no, we can talk. Like I said, I have like a bunch of stories on deck. We'll probably have even more by the time we truly get into this. So like we can write and still do episodes at the same time because I'll do stuff. I have – Cody, I keep coming up with story ideas. And one – I have one. I didn't pitch it because it's melancholy the, the of existence. And so I didn't pitch this story for the show because I want to write it myself. But I keep coming up with stories, my dude. And I – I understand how you feel. I I come up with settings for RPGs. Yeah, no, my my too fast, faster than I can it, run it's, them. It's all it's all really really. It has meaning to me, and that's why I want to write it. But it's also like I have all these stories that like I want to pay separate attention to, and I don't have the time to do so. Yeah, and you have to pick one. Yeah. So I might try like on top of doing the story that we're gonna do, I might just try like. Maybe like writing a little bit on one story and then going and doing the like main like having a main focus and then having like a side piece. <laughs> <laughs> you want to have a side piece story? Yeah, a side piece story. The collapse of the universe. Anyways, um, I guess I kind of think that this is my side piece story. I think my main focus is the game I'm running yeah. for. Wonder I'm gl- I'm glad Network that you right tell now. me straight to my face that this podcast is your side piece. Thanks, Cody. Yeah, yeah, yeah that you're my side makes piece. me yeah. feel really good about myself and the state of this podcast. But um. We don't have to talk about it. I'm really hurt, Cody. I'm really freaking hurt. Anyways, um, what, you're my side piece. What are your plugs, Cody? Uh, check me out at the Wandering Gamer Network, where I'm running a game called Wanderlust. Okay. Uh, and also sometimes I stream oh, yeah. when I actually have time, which is rare now. Yep. Because life keeps getting in the way, and I keep getting sick. Guys, you can check me out at my um. Other podcasts, the Side Characters Podcast, we are slowly coming back. The most recent episode we did release was an episode just talking about the um, Hogwarts Legacy game and um, the woman who created the Harry Potter universe. Um, very interesting things that go into that. Uh, and I also think it is kind of funny that Cody brought up goblins this episode. Um, and then you can check out my streams at something, I guess, 00 at twitch.tv, where um, I stream on Wednesdays with my dear friend Will. We talk about anime and stuff. This most recent episode will literally scare the crap out of me with some um, real life scary stories from the um, Japanese website 2chan, which is slightly nicer 4chan. It was It's 4chan if it didn't turn into the cesspit of fascism and bigotry that um, American 4chan turned into. But yeah, it I scary stories. Wasn't fun. Having a great time. Um, but yeah. So yeah. Anyways, that's all I got, Cody. You got anything else before we go? Nope. Okay. I'm good. We will check you out on the flip side and also a demon feast. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>